And now, Lifestyles Unlimited presents the Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Over the next hour, we unfold your map to financial freedom. You'll learn how to retire through investing in single-family and multifamily real estate. You'll learn how to create cash flow and build wealth so you can have the time and money to live the lifestyle you want. Welcome to the show. My name is Al Gordon, and as always, I'm working on your financial freedom. And on today's show, we're going to get into the topic of retirement. We're going to talk about retirement. We're going to tell you about retirement. I'm going to say the word retirement a million, bajillion, gazillion times in the show. I, okay, I'm not going to say it that many times, but I will use the term retirement frequently. And to some of you, the word retirement means everything. To some of you, retirement means something that occurs in your future. And to others, retirement is something that it's not even on your radar. You're, you're not even thinking about it. So why am, I, why am I bringing up this concept of retirement? Well, here's why. Retirement is when you stop living at work and you start working at living. Yeah, you heard me correctly. Retirement is when you stop living at work and you begin working at living. I have achieved retirement. Now, I've done it twice in my life. The first time I did it, I didn't do it very well. The second time that I did it, with the help of Lifestyles Unlimited, I did it very well. I have been retired for the last four years. I have been working at living. I have been working at enjoying my life. I have been working at all of the things that I couldn't do when I was working because now I no longer work. So how did I get here? How did I get to a place of retirement? I did it a couple of ways. The first way that I did it was I traded time for money. You heard me correctly. I traded time for money. And just about everybody in America starts there. Now, there are some people that don't start there, but the majority of us start right in that place, trading time for money. Because we have been conditioned that that is the way to achieve financial freedom in our life. We have to go to school, get good grades, get into the workforce, start trading time for money. And then somewhere down the line, maybe when we turn 60 or possibly 70, maybe it's 80, we consider retirement. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to take a step back and I want you to think about your life in retirement. Go ahead, get a, get a visual image of your life. Now, some of you, some of you are thinking about two people sitting on a beach in beach chairs, holding a cold tropical drink, staring off across the waves into the sunset, holding hands with each other. Some of you think that's what retirement looks like. And for some of you, that's what retirement will look like. Others, you see two elderly people walking down the beach hand in hand, wearing nice flowing clothes and clearly not having a care in the world because they're retired. That's what you imagine when you imagine retirement. Now, some of you, some of you have a completely different image in your mind. Some of you imagine retirement as being older and possibly infirmed and maybe confined to a wheelchair. Yeah, that's what you think retirement looks like. And the reason you think retirement looks like that is because everybody in your family that even achieved retirement, that's what their retirement was like. They were not healthy. They were infirmed. They were potentially confined to a wheelchair. Is that the retirement that you envision for yourself? 
I don't think it is. I think the first two images are what we would like to achieve, but that third image is the image that, unfortunately, most of us, if we do achieve retirement, most of us are going to experience. Now, I did a little research. Yeah, I know some of you guys are going, really, Al, you did some research? Yes, I did some more research. And here's what I was curious about. I was curious about how many surgical procedures Americans will experience in their lifetime. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because I am about ready to go through another series of surgeries on this broken down body that I inherited from my parents. Yeah, I inherited it from my parents. I've been living in this body my entire life. I broke it down really good when I was in the United States Army. Yeah, I put a hurting on this body. And, and I'll tell you, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the effects of it. So why am I talking about surgeries? Well, because I think that if you haven't experienced massive surgeries in your life yet, like I have, the time is coming. The time is coming for you. And that might be a condition of your retirement if you wait until later in life to achieve retirement. I'm serious about that. So check this out. There was a study that I found. It was conducted by, let's see, this is the Massachusetts chapter of the ACS American College of Surgeons. Okay, and, and they actually did this survey and they were trying to find out how many surgical procedures Americans will experience in an average lifetime. You want to know the number? As of 2002. Yeah, okay, I'm going back a couple of days. That's when this, this study was done. I mean, this is not a study that a lot of people would, would go out and do, but these guys went and did it. And here's their result. As of 2002, Americans undergo an average of, get this, 9.2 surgical procedures per lifetime. 9.2. Can you have a .2 surgical procedure? Probably not. Why don't we just round up to 10? Why don't we just say that you're going to go through 10 different surgical procedures in your lifetime? I don't even know if I told you what my number was. I'm going to tell you what my number is with regards to surgeries. I am sitting at, not, not including... Not including the non-operating room invasive procedures, because if I added those, my number would be really, really big. My number between the outpatient and the inpatient operations is sitting at nine. Yeah, it's sitting at nine. Now, how did I get that number? Well, when I was a child at the age of four, my tonsils were taken out and I had to go into the hospital I had to stay in the hospital. It was an overnight thing. I was in the hospital. I remember it. I was in the hospital for a day or two. And, you know, I wasn't a big happy camper. I was like four years old. and I didn't quite know what was going on, but I got to eat ice cream. And, and that's what I remember from the surgery was they gave me ice cream because my throat hurt. Yeah. So ice cream, that was a good thing. But then over time, I grew up and my body matured and I got into a thing called the United States Army. And in the United States Army, I... Well, I kind of abused my body. I really did. I, I gave 110% all the time, and I found that I would injure myself from time to time. It started for me with things called hernias. Yeah, hernias. What's a hernia feel like? A hernia, well, let me, let me just tell you what it felt like when I had my first hernia. It felt like somebody had kicked me square in the you-know-where. Yeah, that's what a hernia felt like. Now, this was an inguinal hernia, which means it was in the lower portion of the left side of my abdomen, and it had to be repaired. How do they repair it? They go in, 
they cut a line in your belly, they go find the, the hernia, then they sew it all back up. That's what they do. They sew it back up and then they sew you back up. And I remember staying in the hospital for a couple of days for that one, because that was probably of all the surgeries that I've had in my life. That was indeed the most painful of all. Yeah. When, when, when they say a gut wound is the most painful thing you can experience in your life, they're not lying to you. That was the most painful experience that I had in my life. Now, not to be outdone, my umbilical region decided it wanted to herniate not once, but twice. I've had two different surgeries on my umbilical region to correct herniation problems. I don't know, all you surgeons out there are probably going, Al, would you just pronounce it correctly? Okay, I'll just use the word hernia. That way I can't screw it up. Um, The reality is I had to have those things repaired. I have a ton of surgical mesh in my lower abdomen region, as well as surgical silk holding it all together. I think those are the strongest parts of my body. I really do. And all you surgeons out there, you're nodding your heads up and down, aren't you? Yeah, I know you guys. I know how you guys roll. Okay, well, my problems didn't end there because I would do things like break a bone or sprain an ankle or tear a ligament or something like that. Now, those things don't require surgery, but they do require a visit to the doctor, and they usually require some kind of splinting action or or something like that. But I never, never injured myself in those ways to an extent where it required a surgical repair. However, once I stepped away from the military, my body started to break down. And there's there's a myriad of reasons why my body started to break down. Part of it was because I stepped away from the life of being in the military. So I wasn't gainfully employed in physical fitness on a daily basis as extensively as I probably should have been. And my body was starting to age. I mean, it had been aging my entire life, but now I was in my fifties and things that start happening to your body in your fifties or sixties or seventies. Well, those things are starting to occur in my body. Some of the things that, that I, I deal with, I deal with hypertension. I deal with high blood pressure. I deal with high cholesterol. What, what do those things equate to in your body? Well, for me, some of those things led to something called Atrial fibrillation, I believe, is the correct term, where essentially my my heart wouldn't beat correctly or would beat off beat. It wasn't operating correctly. So I had to have surgery to have that repaired. They went in and they, they basically zapped some parts of my heart, but they fixed it. The AFib is under control. But over time, I went and got myself those coronavirus Vaccines. Remember those things? Now, I'm not I'm not being a conspiracy guy right here. I'm just telling you my experience. I, I got shot number one. Three weeks later, I got shot number two. Three weeks later, I had a heart attack. Now, are they connected? I don't know. But Al thinks, yes, they might be connected. So now I've got a heart attack. I have a blockage in one of the arteries leading to my heart. I have to go into the hospital. And what do they do? They perform surgery on me. They go in through my wrist and they go up into my arteries and stuff and check everything out. And they find that five of the six are good to go, but the sixth is not so good to go. And they have to repair it. And they repair it. They take all the gunk that was clogging the artery out and they put a stent in to replace it. So now I've got another surgery. Now, there are a series of surgeries that I haven't even told you about. And these surgeries started when I was serving in the military. I I experienced some problems with my cervical spine. The cervical spine is that part that's essentially your neck. And 
I had been, well, let's just, let's just tell you, uh, without going into great details, I have been shot at, I've been blown up, I've, been ha- I've had all kinds of things happen to me by the bad guys, and some of the effects of those things are me like being launched and landing literally on my head, or I should say on the back portion of my neck. And what that did was it damaged uh, my cervical spine. Now, over time, that damage got worse. It became worse. And I had to go in and have surgery. I had to have my spines, my C5, my C6, and my C7 spine all fused together. I had that done while I was still serving in military service. So there's another surgery for you. I go ahead and retire, and now I'm in civilian. The, I'm in the civilian world, and I'm having problems with my neck again. So I go back to the surgeon. You know what the surgeon tells me? We have to add C4 onto C5 through C7. So I go back in for yet another surgery on my spine, and they repair it. And then over time, I'm still having problems with my neck. I'm having massive problems with my neck. I'm having major, major problems with my neck. And I go back to the surgeon. And you know what they decide? You need an even more intense surgery. We need to fuse you from C2 all the way down to T2. So I had that surgery too. And that brings me to number nine. Number nine with two on the horizon. We come back from the break. I'll get into it. Stick around. Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855-497-4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next. Lifestyles Unlimited members share their stories and strategies for success at case study events. If you got laid off tomorrow, what would you do? Would you have to be working at McDonald's or wait to try and find another job with the downsizing the economy? Kept on coming to meetings even with David Fisher online and stuff like that, but still we just like, we need to make the jump. So we kept praying for time to get this job done, to, to be able to find the properties. How do we find the properties? How do you find the time? And God answered our prayers and he got downsized from his corporate job. But they didn't buy just one house, right? No, they did not. You rehab in house number nine right now. Nine. Wow. So every month the cash flow is $3,200. Okay, the equity of all the houses is up to 280,000. Join us this month and learn from people just like you. Check in person and online dates at lukstudy.com. Once again, that's lukstudy.com. Creating the lifestyle you've always wanted. You're hearing Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Welcome back to the second half of the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. My name is Al Gordon, and as always, I'm working on your financial freedom. And on today's show, I'm violating HIPAA. Yes, I am violating HIPAA. I am sharing information with you about somebody's medical stuff. Whose medical stuff? Well, my medical stuff, of course. I don't know what's going on with your medical stuff. I only know what's going on with my medical stuff. I kind of know what's going on with my wife's medical stuff. I really have no clue what's going on with my, my kids' medical stuff, but they're adults, so it's really their responsibility to manage their medical stuff. So I'm focused on me. I'm focused on my medical stuff. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to share with you the concept that no matter how old you are, You're going to have certain experiences in your life that are not going to be awesome. They may be beneficial, but they're not going to be awesome. What am I getting at? I'm talking about the fact that Americans on average undergo 9.2 surgical procedures per year. 
9.2. And what I did so far in the show, what I've accomplished is I have told you about all nine of my major surgeries that I've had. Now, I've had a lot of what I would consider outpatient stuff. Uh, I, I wouldn't even call it outpatient. I would call it non-operating room invasive procedures where, you know, you, you go and you, you gash your leg open, you go see the medic and the medic's like, sweet, I got something to do. And then he, he shoots you with some, I don't know, some painkiller stuff. And you sit there and watch him sew you back up. And then he puts some kind of surgical tape over and he goes, all right, sir, get back on the road march. And you go, great. I feel like junk. And he gives you some ranger candy. And you're going, what's Ranger Candy? Okay, I got to tell you what Ranger Candy is. Ranger Candy is 800 milligram Motrin, ibuprofen. Yeah, medics in the Army hand that stuff out like candy. We call it Ranger Candy. So when you're hurting, when you're feeling icky, you're on a road march, you're carrying 110 pounds on your back, you still got another 10 miles to go on the road march, and you twist your ankle, and it's swollen up a little bit, but it's not swollen up so much that you can't proceed. You go see the medic, the medic gives you ranger candy, and you go, I am good to go. Yeah, it's more of a placebo. I don't know if it's more of a placebo. I think it actually works. It does actually work. That ibuprofen stuff actually works on your body. It does. But the point is, you go back into the fight. You go back into doing what you're supposed to be doing. Now, for my nine major surgeries, all but one of them, all but one of them occurred in conjunction with my military service. Yeah, having my tonsils out at the age of four doesn't count. But all the other ones, even the ones when I was retired, I did have two major surgeries after I retired, but those major surgeries were linked right back to a surgery that I had when I was still on active duty. So I, I say that eight of the nine all occurred in my working years. They all occurred in my working years. And here's the problem. They took me out of the fight. They took me completely out of the fight. In other words, I had to stop doing my job so that I could go to the doctor and I could get the surgical procedure that I needed. And the surgical procedure usually always came with a recovery period. There was always a period of time that I would not be able to go to work because, well, I'm recovering. Okay, now work, work is going to encourage you. Work is going to encourage you to come on back. They're going to keep saying, come on back out. Come on back. We need you. We need you. And there's that temptation. I'm part of the team. I'm part of the team. I got to get back. But then there's that other part of you that goes, I need to rest. I need to heal because if I don't heal, I'm going to be right back in this position again. So you, you kind of get caught being pushed and pulled, pushed and pulled, don't you? Then eventually you recover. And then what do you do? You go back to work and you continue to work. And you continue to work and continue to work. Now, what does all of this have to do with retirement? What does any of this have to do with retirement? And all of it, all of it has to do with retirement. All of it. Did you know that the majority of surgeries tend to happen to people in their older years? Now, I've kind of, I'm kind of outside of the box, aren't I? I've, I've kind of like knocked out all of mine before I was officially old. Although some of you might call me officially old. I don't care what you call me. I'm just Al. Yeah, I'm just Al. But the point I'm trying to make is that there are probably still surgeries that I have to experience in my life. And I already know of two that I'm getting ready to undergo. There's two more surgeries that I have to undergo because my body is deteriorating. So what am I going to undergo now? Rotator cuff. Rotator cuff surgery. Yeah, you know what I've learned? 
I've learned that there are like four major tendons and muscles that make up your rotator cuff in your shoulder. And guess what? Two out of the four in each of my shoulders are damaged. They are damaged. The bicep muscles, the bicep tendons are 80% torn on both sides. The subscapula, if I got that right, subscapula tendons, 85% torn. I am jacked up, guys. I can't, I can't lift my arms above my head. I can't wash my back. I, I feel numbness and pain in my shoulders. I've, I've got rotator cuff problems. And I went and talked to the surgeon. And you know what he said? He said, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. What does that mean? It means I'm going to have to have the surgery. I could, I could do things to prolong having the surgery. But why do that? Why do that? Why keep kicking the can down the road? Now, this particular surgery that I'm about ready to undergo, it's considered the outpatient type. In other words, I'm going to go in. They're going to spend like two, three hours working on my shoulder. I'm going to wake up from the surgery. And then when I've got my wits about me and they feel that I'm good to go, I'm going to go home with my beautiful wife. And I'm going to sit at home for about three months recovering. Now, I'm going to still be able to do radio. So I will still be on the radio with you, and I'll I'll tell you how bad it feels from time to time. But just understand that I am going through a surgical procedure that I really cannot avoid. I mean, I I could do physical therapy probably for the rest of my life, but it's not going to repair the damage that I've done to my shoulders. The only way to repair the damage is to actually go in and repair the damage. So I'm going to get the damage repaired. So after these two surgeries that are coming up, I will be at the lucky number of 11. I will have exceeded what most Americans have done. Am I proud about that? No, I'm not. I am not proud about that. And here's why. I don't like having a broken body. I don't like the fact that my body is diminishing over time. I don't like the fact that my heart isn't as strong as it was 40 years ago. I don't like the fact that my lungs are not as strong as they were 40 years ago. I don't like the fact that I've got titanium in my body keeping me erect. I don't like the fact that I have surgical silk and surgical mesh throughout my lower abdomen holding my guts in. But that's the body that I have. That's the body I'm living in. That's the body that I have in retirement. So part of my retirement, part of my retirement is spent working on medical issues that I have to work on. Now, let me, let me be very clear with you. Most of you know that I ain't 60 yet. Yeah, I said ain't 60 yet. Yeah, because I'm 59 and a half. I'm not 60 years of age yet. But I will tell you, the body that I think that I'm in right now is equivalent to what a 75-year-old experiences. And I'm fully retired. I have been fully retired for four years. I have the available time to work on my physical health. I have the available time to take care of me. I don't have to worry about going to work 40 plus hours per week because I don't do that anymore. I have retired myself from that. What about you? What if you have to go into another surgery? And what if you have to take time off from work? With all of your 100% health, you are controlled by somebody else. There is somebody else telling you when to come to work, what to do at work, what to accomplish, and then they give you feedback, either positive or negative, on how you've done. Or they don't give you any feedback at all, right? 
So I, I told you that I was going to pro- promise you a solution. I found a piece of real estate, a piece of real estate that you could put into your portfolio that you could retire yourself on. This is a piece of real estate that lives in the great state of Georgia. And this particular asset is poised to provide about $464 a month in cash flow. And it will more than double the money that you put into the property in the form of equity capture. In other words, you're going to put about $17,500 into the deal. That's the amount of cash equity that you're going to contribute to the deal. And the deal is going to give you an additional $25,700 in equity capture. Because you're going to buy this property at wholesale pricing. You're going to improve it while staying at wholesale pricing. You're going to lease it out while it's still at wholesale pricing. Yet you're going to command retail pricing on the asset when you finally put your takeout financing on the property. Number one, this is an asset. An asset is something of tangible value. And these particular assets provide cash flow. These particular assets also provide equity components. And these assets will get you to a place of retirement in five years or less. That's a lot shorter of a time period than what you're dealing with right now. Now, this particular asset, it's paying cash flow, $464 a month. A $464 a month cash flow is representative of a $5,568 annual increase to your household budget. How much did you get for your raise last year? The $5,000 that we can make off this property? We don't have to have anybody's approval. You're in control of the asset. Let's say you own that asset for five years and you never raised the rent. How much money would you make over five years? Almost $28,000. And here's the other thing. You're not spending 40 hours a week focused on this property. You might spend half an hour a month collecting the rent, making sure that everything is good to go with the property, making the associated payments for the expenses, And then cashing in on the cash flow. Do you have a half an hour available to you? It's going to go up in value over time. You're going to capture equity, first of all, in the property of approximately $25,000. It's actually $25,700. You're going to put about $17,500 into the property. Your return on capital gains is 146% return on investment. You want to know what the return on investment is on the cash flow? 31.77%. I take the annual cash flow of 55.68. I divide it by the 17,500 that you put into the deal. And that gives me the rate of return. If you held the property for five years and you disposed of the property, in other words, you sold it after five years. And if you never, ever raised the rent, you just let it ride. You would still earn a 300 and 29% return on investment when you take into consideration all the different ways that we make money in real estate. What I want you to understand is that in retirement, you can spend your time doing whatever you want. If you have medical problems, you can deal with them when you choose to deal with them. You don't have to ask permission. I control my life because I have assets like this asset. These types of assets sit in my portfolio. 
They pay me whether I'm going through surgery or not. It's going to pay you also. Pays me when I'm in good health too. Right now I'm in pretty good health outside of my shoulders, but we're going to get those fixed because why am I doing that? I am doing it because I want to enjoy my life. I have a retirement lifestyle and I really want to enjoy it and I physically want to enjoy it. So I'm going to get the surgery done. If you want to do what I'm doing, you want to do what the 50,000 members of Lifestyles Unlimited are doing, go to lifestylesunlimited.com, sign up for a free workshop, and let's get you going. Thank you for listening to Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Ready for more of the map? Visit lifestylesunlimited.com. Explore our videos and articles. Click on the radio tab to access past show podcasts. View the radio show schedule and listen to our best of radio shows. Want to continue the conversation? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. We want to meet you as well. Sign up for a free workshop at lifestylesunlimited.com. Until next time, remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. The information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.